Session 3, Dating and Long-Term Relationships After SCI, a panel discussion. Get advice on getting back into dating, finding a long-term relationship, and deepening bonds with loved ones from peers with SEI and their partners. This is Session 3 from our 2019 SEI Conference, Connections, Sexuality, and Relationships After Spinal Cord Injury. Let's listen in. Our first session of the afternoon is going to be a panel on dating and long-term relationships. I'm going to do very little by way of introduction. I'm going to defer to Trevor Dyson Hudson, who is the co-director of our uh, spinal cord injury model system here at Kessler and is the director of our Center for Spinal Cord Injury Research. And he will be moderating the panel and is joined by a wonderful group of people today. Just a couple logistical notes. Um, Q&A is an important part of this session, but if you don't have a mic, then people can't hear you. So I'm going to request that if you do have a question, and you raise your hand, just give us 30 seconds to run to you. I have two volunteers. I'm going to have one of you come to this side and one of you stay on that side. And this way we've got the whole room covered. So with that, I'm going to get out of the way and let everybody do their thing. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Jean. As Jean said, I'm Trevor Dyson Hudson. And uh, I am just uh, thank you all being here today. Uh, I was thinking about it. It was 2006 when we had our first consumer conference and at that time uh, it was love, work and play and uh, we've had uh, several since. Um, our keynote speaker at that one was Mitch Tepper. It's been 13 years and uh, we have a little less hair, a little more mileage on the joints but uh, thanks for joining us Mitch. Um, you know. One of the things, one of the challenges uh, after a spinal cord injury is getting back out there or if you're in a long-term relationship, in a relationship, just things change so much. You know, we spend most of our life being able-bodied and then you have this injury and then in a matter of weeks, months, you're supposed to come to terms with this and get back onto your life. And uh, we hope that conferences like this help you do that. Um, just a little bit about myself. Uh, I was 27 at the time of my injury. I was in a, a relationship. Uh, we had just, we'd been go, uh, going together for about two years. And, uh, and it's been 27 years since, and I'm still in that relationship. So um, my, who I was before my injury was very different than who I was after, obviously. I was very physical. Um, Lauren talked about that, you know, you, you have to kind of reinvent yourself. And one of the things I found was actually, you know, there's a saying, especially with men, and many men may agree, the, the little head thinks for the big head sometimes. And after your injury, you, you, you have to let your big head take over. And that's one of the things that I've found, and, and my girlfriend is common, is just how much I've, I guess, we connect so much more now because before it was based on my physicality and who I was. And now I'm more about the mental aspects of things. So a little bit about myself. But what I'd like to do is to have each panel member just kind of introduce themselves, say a little bit about their injury, maybe what, what type of relationship they were in at the time of their injury, and then after, briefly. Uh, hi, my name is Jean Altamari. Um, I was 30 at the time of my injury, so it'll be 10 years this coming November. Um, I was in a relationship for several years. Um, I was in a multi-fatal car accident, um, which uh, multiple people died and other people were maimed. Um, 
another friend suffered a really bad traumatic brain injury. So um, the partner that I was involved with at the time was also injured. Um, I think our relationship didn't survive for a multitude of reasons, including um, losing friends and things like that. Um, but I went back to dating, did that whole thing, did the online dating thing. Um, I'm in a committed relationship now um, and actually looking at all the alternative options for having kids um, as somebody that's a paraplegic in a chair and all the interesting stuff that comes along with that. So um, that's where I am now. I'm Chris Plax. Uh, it'll be six years in October. I was in a car accident when I was 18 years old uh, and I became a C7, C8 quad. Um, I was in a relationship for about eight months before I got hurt, and then we continued for about seven months after, and then we kind of just wanted separate things in life and went our separate ways from there. But I'm in a relationship now, and we're going strong together and moving forward. Good afternoon. My name is Bill Auer. Uh, I had my injury when I was a teenager in my late teens, so you can figure out it's been a long time, long time. And it's, I've had relationships before during and after my rehab time at Kessler. And I just have to say, let things happen for me. I let them happen and they, they did happen. Don't fight it, but let it happen. All right, go ahead, Neil. My name is Neil Rosen. Um, I just uh, had a three-year anniversary, uh, Memorial Day. Um, I am a C4 and 5 quad complete. Uh, I've had one serious relationship since I've been become injured, uh, which only just ended about a month ago, but we were together for about three years. I was together with a, with a woman who has MS, so we we're both in powerized wheelchairs, so you can imagine that makes the stakes even higher and the uh, sexuality even more difficult, but um, I think I learned a lot from the relationship. but. Uh, we were in two very different places in our lives, and I am currently trying to get back into the community. I live in a facility now. I'm trying to get back into the community, get back into a job, get into an apartment, drive again. And these are all things that I felt um, she was distracting me from focusing on myself. And so uh, to benefit both of us, I ended it so that we could both focus on ourselves. And uh, I think I made the right decision. My name is Chris Cachet. Um, I was 28 when I got injured from a uh, car accident. Uh, that was back in 2013, so this August will be six years. Uh, I was in a relationship before, before uh, my accident. We were together for about maybe three more months after the accident, and uh, about two years after the accident, I got into another relationship, and uh, that relationship lasted for about three years. Uh, we just recently uh, just had a mutual breakup. We decided to need to uh, work on ourselves a little bit. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually back in the dating scene. I'm actually seeing a couple of people right now and, uh, you know, doing what I need to do to uh, progress and just trying to enjoy myself as much as I can right now. Hi, um, my name's Robert Yale. Uh, yeah, I was uh, injured, uh, it'll be five years uh, next month uh, since my injury. Uh, with with my wife for uh, 18 years now, married for 14. Um, I was in a relationship beforehand. I have a 14-year-old son, which makes uh, things a little bit harder uh, to deal with uh, now since my injury. But um, uh, still going strong as a couple. Um, has our ups and downs uh, most of the time. It's uh, been uh, it's been tough, but um, 
we're still together and uh, we're going to keep on pushing through this. Thanks, Rob. So, so, you know, I hear so much about online dating. So, you know, somebody has an injury, right? And, uh, you know, they have to get back out their gene. <clears throat> we have a lot of men here, but for a woman, <clears throat> excuse me, you, how, do you, how do you even tackle that? How do you begin the online dating? How, what's your approach? Um, so I actually kind of felt somewhat devious when I did it, but I set up a profile where I was in a chair and I set up a profile where I wasn't in a chair. So where it was me doing all sorts of things where I had transferred into something else, whether it be like sitting at the beach or sitting in a chair or whatever, just to see if the stereotypes of, you know, people are more intimidated or just not interested or whatever the case may be with if you have some sort of a disability or in a chair or anything like that. Um, and I definitely noticed a significant difference in the number of contacts that were made. Um, and then also came the introduction of once you started talking to somebody and it was going well or you were planning on meeting, how you introduced the fact that you were in a chair when you didn't look like you were in a chair on the profile. Um, some people I told in advance, some people I just showed up, saw how it went. Um, it, was a, it was a huge learning curve for me. Um, I ended up in about a year and a half, two year relationship with a, a woman who I didn't know how to explain it when we were getting along really well and talking for several weeks and just kind of showed up and she didn't care and I was pleasantly surprised by that. But um, I've also had many experiences where I've met people in person and gone out with them and started to date and then their insecurities or discomfort with being with somebody in a chair, you know, came out after the fact. So I feel like when you find the right person and it's not an issue, it's not an issue. It doesn't really matter how you meet them. Right. Um, I think online dating is just as terrifying for everybody, whether you're, yeah. whether you're in a chair or not. Great. Thanks, Gene. So, Chris, I know we've had discussions about this. Chris, like Cachet, your approach. How did you approach the online dating? Um, well, I didn't really uh, get into the online dating scene until maybe around my second year of uh, being injured, just because uh, I was really just trying to work on me. I knew I just wasn't ready to uh, commit to anything or even look for anything because of, you know, I was, uh, I was in a pretty bad spot, just both professionally, physically, and mentally. Mm -hmm. So, and I just wasn't comfortable <laughs> with myself. I didn't really like the place I was at. So I dedicated the two years just to get into a better place where I felt more confident about everything, about who I was and how I looked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, so um, when I got into the dating scene and I made, my, I, to the online dating scene, I made my profile. I was just 100% honest about everything. Mm -hmm. I did not hide the fact that I was in a chair. In fact, I even put in my heading, let, yes, I'm in a wheelchair from a spinal cord injury. That's a problem. Move along or whatever. <laughs> so, um, you know, but I would talk about myself, talk about my hobbies, my interests and all that other stuff. And, uh, you know, and, you know, the online dating scene can be a bit, uh, you know, uh, heartbreaking sometimes because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are a lot of, there can be a lot of shallow people out there, but there are a lot of good people out there that will, you know, not look at your injury and even see it as a problem. And when you meet those people and you get to know each other, you know, things start to happen and things start to work out. And, um, you know, I mean... It's all a matter of just being patient, not giving up, not getting frustrated, not getting, uh, not like doubting yourself, not like 
get not like you know having the mentality where you're not going to meet anyone or not, no one's going to be interested in you. You just have to uh, keep doing it, keep trying, keep seeing what's out there, keep reaching out, and you know, and you'll and you'll meet someone. You'll meet someone who will uh, who's loving, caring, accepting, like my last girlfriend. And, um, you know, it's, it's almost like just dating like a, I'm not, I won't say a regular person, but it's just, it's just, it's just basically dating. It's like, you know, just a regular couple. That's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. you know, just uh, the online dating scene is just, uh, can be a little bit, uh, it, it could be a little bit of a roller coaster sometime. I mm -hmm. guess it's the best way I could put it. So, Bill, you've been, you've been around the block, right? I have many times. So, so, so when you start dating, when, when does intimacy start coming up? If you don't mind me asking. No, go right ahead. Um, it took a while. You have to find the right person, person who's accepting and, had, and was willing to work with me. And my in, intimidation, I was intimidated. I was very shy about it. But, but I found the right person. They helped me along. They were able to help me do what I, what I couldn't do far as transferring and getting into a place with, that was accessible, that we could do something. And it took a while, but you know, you find the right person and if, they were, if they're willing to work with you, then just go for it. Let it happen. So, Robert, you, you have a different experience, right? So you, you were in a relationship at the time of your injury and you have yeah. stayed in that relationship. Stayed in the relationship, it's, but, um, no, I, have a, I have a great wife. Um, basically, um, we, uh, I had problems in the beginning. I still have problems mm -hmm. with our relationship. Um, I try to work at it. Um, the, the, the information I got today has been helping me out so much with other things that we've uh, tried and didn't try. Um, but she's still with me. Um, love her to death. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, been, it's, it's been a struggle. You know, we, there, there's times that uh, we're intimate. Uh, there's other times that we're, we're, we look like we're strangers next to each other. You mm -hmm. know, there's our, our good days and our bad days, but um, she's still with me, so I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I have a woman like that in my life. Right. Thanks. Chris, you've kind of had both experiences, right? You've been in relationships. You were dating somebody at the time and then uh, had to transition. Tell me a little bit yeah, about your um, experiences. So it was pretty... Easy. I mean, I don't know if it was easy, but we had been together before I got hurt, so we were kind of used to each other already, you know, after I got hurt and, you know, experimented with different things to do or different positions and stuff and kind of figured out what worked best for us. Um, and then I've been with mostly people that have been around SCIs before. I, I've dated, like, PTs and OTs and stuff, so they're kind of used to, to everything, so they know how to, you know, help me when I need it or not shy in doing anything. Yeah, yeah there's, there's kind of a joke. It's easy for men. You just date your therapist, right? <laughs> Pretty so. much. <laughs> so, Gene, you know, when, again, coming back to women, you often hear about just maybe strange stalkers on the Internet who maybe are fascinated by people in wheelchairs. Any experiences with that or cautions? Uh, yes, unfortunately, I've definitely had experiences with that. I've also... I know you said that for you, online dating just 
kind of normal like for everybody else and you know you just go with the flow i know for me I, I feel like i've been on an individual panel multiple times when i've been on online dating and people want to use me as their resource to learn everything there is about dating somebody that's paralyzed you're having a great conversation with somebody you're talking about vacations or what you do for a living or i got very into adaptive sports after i got injured um and i was really fortunate to go do a race in south africa a couple of years ago it was a as the first wheelchair user that ever did it. So I came home with like such excitement and stories about that. And I will never forget the conversation of talking to this person about all this. And then like five minutes later, I get the question of like, so can you pee by yourself? And I'm like, here, I'm thinking like, I'm making headway. It's great. We're going to go on a date soon or whatever. And like, she's worried I'm going to piss myself if I go somewhere. So, you know, it, but like you said, with the right type of people, like, there are those conversations that you have with people who genuinely want to know and want to understand because they genuinely want to make you comfortable and want to connect with you and want to have good, intimate experiences. And then there are those people that just can't hold back their curiosity, whether they're interested or not. And fortunately or unfortunately, you have to find your way through those things if you want to put yourself back out there. Um, I am not old-fashioned or slow to the role so I have always been kind of like a first date if it feels good go with the flow kind of a person mm. so I've had plenty of experiences um, maybe liaisons you know on first dates where they have haven't gone anywhere I feel like for me as an individual for what I went through on my journey from being able-bodied to being a, a complete paraplegic that they benefited me mm -hmm. um, but I was also able to manage those types of interactions and situations prior to being injured. So it was, you know, within my realm of comfort or within my personality. Mm -hmm. And that generally continued for me after I was injured. Um, I definitely learned a lot from my first committed relationship after being injured. Um, I was injured and went back to work within like five months full time, um, back to a full time job, back to full time activities, you know, back to traveling, all sorts of stuff. And it wasn't until I got into a long term relationship a couple of months later that I realized how many insecurities and judgments I had over myself of feeling less than or being limited or not being enough. Um, so for me, that was a huge eye opener, getting into a committed relationship versus kind of having that barrier of this isn't anything serious with just, you know, dating or mm -hmm. nothing long term. Mm -hmm. um, I've dated men and women. Um, I feel like there's not much of a difference as how people react, whether I'm dating a man or a woman after being injured. You mm -hmm. get the same type of reactions, good and bad, from both sides. Great. Thanks very much. There's no difference between men and women as far as their reactions to us being in chairs? No. I feel like men still objectify you just as much, especially <laughs> men that, for whatever reason, have a preference or something appealing about you being that much smaller More. or being in wheels. I've had those people that kind of have, I guess you would call the fetish of that, which right. is, you know, thank God for being able to block people on your phone and the internet and stuff like that, as far as I'm concerned. But um, I mean, everybody has their preferences and things that they find more attractive. So I've tried to take into account that for whatever reason, some people just happen to find this more attractive. It doesn't make me comfortable. So it's not something I'm interested in, but mm -hmm. some people just feel that way. Like some people prefer blondes or brunettes or tall people or short people. No, I mean, you always hear that, uh, you know, I mean, at least it seems men are more superficial. So they judge, you know, by appearance, whereas women seem to be more about connectivity and, and that emotional connection, which I guess works towards in favor of men with spinal cord injury for sure. And so I just, the challenges that you face when trying to meet people. But it sounds like you're able to overcome it and maybe the differences aren't that great. 
Yeah, and I definitely feel like, at least for me, a lot of times I get like a, a boost of credit or I seem so much more impressive to people when I have a normal life and I'm in a chair. You know, like when I go somewhere and there's a stairwell and I just let somebody carry me up or I can go on a plane by myself or all of a sudden you're like this amazing person and I'm like, I'm literally just not a hermit. Right, right. <laughs> well, I think you raise a good point, actually. And I think people are attracted to just an individual who's just trying to do the most they can. And I think that's what ultimately draws people. And it's often, and you're in a wheelchair, and I mean, you're just doing your thing. But uh, you know, people are drawn to that, and I think that works for men and women. And then, then we, uh, we talk about connectivity, really. Um, Trevor, real quick, um, I don't know if you wanted to wait for questions till the end. Sure. But since Jean's already talking, the yeah. question I had for her, so she mentioned that she posted um, you know, online a profile in a chair and a profile where you purposely kind of hid that aspect mm -hmm. and you talked about um, definitely getting different responses. Mm -hmm. You got way more to the, um, to the post where you hid the fact that you were in a chair yes. is what you said. Yes. What about the quality of the people that were responding in those two situations? Did you see any big difference in you know, the, the, the kind of people that responded? Not anything that's marketed in my mind, like not anything where I recall noticing a huge difference in that. I just noticed the difference in the amount of people that posed an interest. Um, the two people that I ended up dating long term off of online dating actually both ended up being people that responded to the profile where I wasn't in a chair. So that may or may not speak to that. But for me, it was just... It started out as curiosity and at the same time maybe also insecurity because like I said, I learned a lot off of that first long-term relationship after being in a chair. When I came home from the hospital at Kessler, my partner at the time um, was a firefighter paramedic um, and had no problems with it and was, you know, super accommodating and it, it wasn't an issue at all, but she went through so much with being injured and with losing a friend and... Both of us, I'm a, I'm a state trooper by trade, so both of us had a lot of trauma from being on that scene and not being able to help anybody and being the victim. And like, we went through quite a lot. So I don't necessarily think that our relationship didn't survive based off of our injuries, but we just had so much going on. And unfortunately, you know, we remained good friends and she's in a fantastic relationship as well. But for whatever reason, the circumstances, we didn't make it through. But Part of me still feels guilty for doing the two different profiles, but you can always justify something by saying, well, I needed that for me and disregard what it does for other people. But for me, in my experience, I find the internet sometimes to be such a very impersonal thing. And I also feel like it's something that you can very easily turn off or not pay attention to because it's completely at your control. So for me, that was how I was okay with doing that because anybody that was participating with me or interacting with me had 100% control over their decision of whether or not they wanted to cut that relationship off right away. It wasn't like I was somebody that they had to see on a daily basis because they worked with me or you know, lived near me or anything like that. So you know, I'm sure people have their different opinions, but I was okay with you know, figuring that out for myself that way. I think it's a super interesting social experiment, really. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's actually a perfect time to, <clears throat> excuse me, open it to the audience. Do, does, do people have questions for our panel members? Please. Mitch, yes, please. Um, can you share uh, 
Um, if you're comfortable in what ways you were physically intimate with your partner over the years? Sure. Um, as I said about three years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, Mitch asked if I could go into the specific ways that I was intimate with my girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, uh, who was also in a power wheelchair. She had MS, although she did have full use of her upper body. Her trunk was intact. Her arms and hands were um, fully dexterous, I guess the uh, term would be. Um, but, you know, just like us, she was in a chair. so. Um, she was uh, moving out of the facility that I currently live in as I was moving in about three years ago. Um, and uh, we spent the next couple weeks together and fell in love. And uh, um, when it came time to uh, figure out how to become uh, intimate together, um, we, we would call it chair 69ing. We would <laughs> pull our chair, we would face our chairs towards each other, and uh, I can't use my left arm, so I would uh, pull up on her left side so I could touch her with my right arm, and she would, you know, come up alongside me facing that way, and uh, we would lean in towards each other, and that would, there was, kissing is not an issue. It's more of the lower extremity issues. Um, but uh, touching of the upper body and using of the mouth on the upper body and face and ears and neck, and uh, that was never an issue. Uh, we were always able to connect physically that way just by getting close enough to each other physically. Um, we did try to have intercourse once. Um, we were in a bed together, but um, we, it was the very first time we didn't really know what we were doing and we didn't have any equipment or adaptive tools. So um, she can, she's very uh, functional. She can move her legs around pretty well in bed, but um, even with uh, gate belts and whatnot, we weren't able to succeed, but maybe one day. <clears throat> I would have no issue hiring a CNA to come in and position me and another person, yeah. you know, properly and then just leave or go in the next room or whatever the case may be, you know. You, obviously, you have to be comfortable with a little bit of uh, awkwardness here. Right, which we are anyway, right? <laughs> Thank God, right? Um, <laughs> well, that, that brings to point. If anybody in the audience or maybe Mitch, you with your experiences, uh, where you bring in somebody to assist. I don't know if there's any uh, Kessler staff uh, who have heard of stories where a couple brings in somebody to assist with positioning and then leaves. Anybody? I've certainly thought of it. I just I've, haven't done it. I've, oh, can we have a mic for Mitch? I've worked with a couple, both with, you know, disabilities. I won't get into specifics because it was in the New York State area. Uh, and, you know, for one issue for, for him was hygiene issues, like for her, for him. And, um, and, and we got him to uh, work with uh, injections for the erection. And so we had an attendant come in on, uh, on their, which is called a mikvah night. Um, and it was a special night for them. And we, we had the attendant give him a bath and help give him the injection and get everything set up and and you know help her get things in place, uh, and that worked out very nicely. 
So, you know, once a month they would hire somebody and the people that actually in the community chipped in to help with a lot. And we got them uh, an intimate rider, which you saw before. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we, we experimented with different devices. And yeah, but so with some outside help, and as I said before, I had a guy that was a quad and a, well, I guess they were both quads. One wasn't, one was muscular dystrophy, one was spinal cord injury, but uh, negotiated with her attendant to help them. And that was it. I wrote an article about that, but, you know, um, in new mobility. If anyone wants it, I could figure out what it was. Yeah. Any questions? Okay. Um, I remember that issue. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, um, for you, uh, how do you do it? How do you? How do you get into it? Like in, a, in, a, in the mood or? Yeah, I mean. I mean, just, just kind of start out like anything with like an able-bodied would just. Um, the regular, you know, kissing and, you know, then progress from there. And then I just jump onto bed and, you know, let them kind of do most of the work because I can't really move. But um, some girls like being on top anyway. So yeah. it's easier that way. You can just kind of lay there and move around when I need to. Does anybody use any assistive devices in mind sharing? <laughs> Um, so, like I said before, I, I wasn't exactly a shy person before I got hurt, but um, since being injured, obviously there are limitations. I'm a T4 complete paraplegic, so I have a fairly strong upper body, but I have no trunk control. I can't move my legs. I don't have any spasms or anything like that. Um, so, in between having just liaisons and serious relationships, I've acquired quite a good amount of accoutrement. Um, I did buy a sex swing. Um, I've got multiple different types of harnesses and things like that. I bought a standing chair. Um, obviously not just to have sex, but to do things at work and to reach things in the house and stuff like that. But it takes a good amount of comfort with yourself and comfort with the other person that you're with to be able to try all those things. But at least for me, it's definitely worth it. And I find that when you have that type of connection with somebody where you can have really great sex, but you can also laugh hysterically when it just goes completely wrong, like one of you falls off the bed or, you know, one of you lands on the other and then you're stuck. And you know when you have that type of connection with someone. Like, you know when you have that person that's invested in it and isn't going to make you feel bad or silly or weird for something not going right or, you know, something getting stuck in an awkward position or having one of your bodily functions decide to do what they want to do in the wrong mm -hmm. moment, you know, when it would be much more opportune to have that not happen. Um, and for me, again, I've learned a lot about how differently my body functions, but also how so many things work the same. I never thought I would be able to have an orgasm. When I got injured, um, I was surrounded by all men at Kessler at the time. There were no other females in the hospital um, with me that were there for a long period of time. So I talked to many of them about their concerns and obviously about the difference between being an incomplete and being complete. And I can't imagine how much different that is for you guys than it is for me. Um, but your body does do all the same things. You just have to figure out the different steps that lead up to that to make it happen. Um, and it's different for everybody, just like without being injured, you know, being aroused and making a connection with somebody and all the physical things that lead up to you having an orgasm or having an erection is different for each person. You just have to spend the time and actually 
I, I would say like you have to dig deep with inside yourself and be comfortable with being uncomfortable till you figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't always happen right away. Just like some people talk about their first sexual experience when they were kids and it was great. And other people talk about what a nightmare and a disaster it was. You're, you're going to have those ones and they're not going to last forever and you're going to move on to better ones. Thanks. Now, I know for me personally, one of the challenges we faced was, um, you know, we were both very much about pleasing each other, right? So it was easy for me because I was so focused on her, less concerned about me. But for her, the big challenge was that I could no longer feel. And things that she thought that would make me happy, it just wasn't working the same way. I couldn't sense, I couldn't feel. Um, but the thing that helped us is just realizing that it's more about the connection mentally. And uh, so, you know, just having that emotional connection and it's, it's amazing once you open up your brain, open up your mind, how aroused you can get. And I think uh, it was that Lauren points out different zones on our bodies. And it is amazing when, when you lose your sensation below a certain level, there are other parts of your body that become much more sensitive. She mentioned the ears. My ears are very sensitive. In fact, uh, it's one of those things people, they're very friendly and they love to come and they put their hand on my shoulders. They give me a little massage. Little do they realize that they're arousing me. So, <laughs> so uh, knowing that, I think that may change. So, I thought I said too much. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, Bill, uh, any, any changes that you know? I mean, you actually went through a very tough time because you were a teenager, right? right so you're right. just starting to explore your I'm sexuality? I'm not like Gene. I, didn't, I was very shy about the whole thing. It took me a couple of years before I got enough confidence in myself to ask somebody out and to do things. I wasn't driving at the time, so I, it was hard to get around and do things. But the people I have been with were very accepting of me, as I was. Two things I thought about um, in the conversation. Oral sex is just as, almost as satisfying as intercourse. And the mental sex, too. I mean, if you just do a little bit of oral sex and it, imagine what it is, you get aroused in different ways. I never had a problem with an erection, but I have a difficult, impossible time with ejaculation. So it, those kind of things were, uh, you know, give and take with the, my partner. And they would always either accept it as it is or not come back the next time. So there's a lot of imagination that goes on to, for arousal and for uh, satisfaction. Yeah, there's a wonderful quote in Murderball. I'm not going to repeat it here. <laughs> but if you, you see the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> Chris, your experiences, anything you want to add to what Bill said? Um, <clears throat> I don't want to mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, um, when, um, when my girlfriend and I were uh, first started dating, I mean, I was, I was fortunate, you know. Every, you know, everything worked for me, you know, down there, so I was very, very fortunate. But, yeah, the ejaculation part was a problem, no question about that. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I'm, you know, I'm also an incomplete injury. I'm a T8 incomplete, so I actually have some feeling, and I can move a little bit. So, uh, you know, that was also a pretty big advantage. But uh, I guess for me, you know, I mean, not, you know, there was – I. I actually learned basically how to arouse just by, you know, you know, touching, 
touching a woman a certain way, just learning how to, you know, use what I had, like, you know, like my hands or anything like that. Just, you know, learn how to trigger certain spots and, you know, really just, uh, you know, focus also on the emotional connection as well and focus on the, you know, which led to more of a sensual connection. And, uh, you know, I mean, as far as like, you know, the positioning, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean for the most, you know, for the first, like, year or so, I mean, they would pretty much do all the work, but, you know, I pretty much had to force myself to see if I could, like, you know, do other things or even exercise in order to do other things and, you know, also do, uh, to, uh, you know, position myself in a certain way. I mean, it took a lot of, it actually, I actually practiced this. I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but, yeah. I mean, uh, I did whatever I could to, like, you know, make every aspect of the relationship, you know, pleasurable, pleasable, and, you know, just, uh, and, uh, you know, fun for the both of us. And, you know, I mean, the both of us managed to make it work. We made it work for a while. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and, you know, it's absolutely true. You know, when that, when that, like, emotional connection is there, I mean, the physical really does come second. So... You know, I mean, we we felt each other really in like a uh, a different way, I guess, at the time that I was wasn't used to, which was uh, was a great thing. So, fantastic. No, that that makes me think of a quote. What is it? I, I don't know the exact percentage, but what? Sixty-five percent of Americans admit to masturbating. The other thirty-five percent are lying. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. No, the transition is so. Um, you know, we talk about connectivity, and I, I guess I want to you know, ask you, uh, Robert, how do you make it work with your wife in terms of just staying? You've, you've been in a long-term relationship, yeah. and it is rocky, but you've made it work. Well, the thing is that it, well, being with her, it's been special because, um, you know, when I first got home from the hospital, it was, it was, it was a tough road because uh, my mind was there. I was passionate. I wanted to be with my wife, but equipment down below didn't kind of work the way it should be working. But um, in the beginning, we tried uh, different things, a lot of different things to keep things working. We were always affectionate, very loving with each other, hold, always hold, held hands. I would kiss her on my way before I go to work. I would do, uh, I'd do things for her all the time. And uh, it, just, uh, it just got a little bit more complicated, but um, you're with a partner that basically um, you try new things with. It's almost like, it's almost like falling in love again and trying new things. Now we just have to find a different way because my legs don't work. I got to set up in different positions. Uh, when I first came home, uh, the erection problem was tough. Um, I, I occasionally get them now, here and there. Ejaculation is also a, a, a major problem. Um, I do get those occasionally also. Uh, a little bit better than when I, when I first came home from, um, from my injury. But um, yeah, we just, uh, we just try new things out, um, see what works for us. And uh, we just keep on moving on. Great. Thanks, So, I mean, Neil, you're, you're finding your way now. Where you're at now and where you were, are there any things you would have done differently looking back? With the uh, relationship? Just getting into in. relationships. Yeah. What would you advise somebody? You know, well, I, it, newly it was... injured and trying to get out there. It was probably foolish of me to jump right into an intimate relationship, um, let's see, four months after I had 
become injured. Um, I, I was scared and lonely and confused, and I thought I needed somebody to comfort me and keep me company and help me pick things up off the floor and open packages and feed me and um, drive. I mean, she, this woman had a car, which was a huge perk to being close with someone. Um, like I said, I was uh, alone and I needed somebody uh, and I think I probably jumped in too quickly and I, uh, I did settle a little bit and um, I don't know if I regret doing it. It was, it was wonderful for two years and um, I probably wouldn't change it for me, but I wouldn't advise that somebody jump into a relationship right after getting hurt. There's a lot of things you need to focus on yourself um, to figure out before you can be with someone else. But uh, I felt like I was uh, using this, this person uh, for, for things and that, and that, uh, that hurt and I, uh, I felt bad. I felt, like, I felt like I was taking advantage. So I uh, thought the mature thing was to, was to uh, go our separate ways. But uh, no, I wouldn't change what I did, but I would not advise that somebody do it. Thanks. I didn't want to take a minute. Oh, did you? Yeah, I just want to oh, say yeah. I would be the opposite of what Neil just said. I was in a relationship before and after the same person. She was a lovely young, young lady, and I never took advantage of what she wanted to do with me. I just was afraid. I was shy. I was backwards. You know, I was a man before, and then I became a, a wimpy old uh, little guy. I was afraid to do anything with her because I didn't think I would be satisfying to her. So I, my advice is to go for whatever is available. I didn't take advantage of it. <laughs> I didn't take advantage of it. Now I'm sorry I didn't. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I made the right call then, huh, bro? Yes, you, right. you were right to good. begin with. Uh, I was wrong. That's, that's um, just one, one thing you did say about, um, yeah, I, I had a lot of trouble with the whole thinking that you're not going to be man enough or satisfying um, a person who still does have feeling in those erogenous zones. Uh, um, it was definitely embarrassing at first not being able to get hard or, or ejaculate or um, you know, use my hand in a way that could really please her, but um, it felt so good to please her and uh, eventually the whole embarrassment of not being able to perform it sort of goes away when you get used to it a little bit and you figure out other ways to, to get pleasure and give pleasure and so it, it all works out eventually. Jean, how about you? Advice to the women, the ladies in terms of getting out their weight or? I, I mean, I think it's depends on each person individually. I always say you never know how much time you have, so why waste any time delaying anything that you're interested in? Yeah. But uh, one of my best friends, when we were having a conversation about this, when I first started getting out and dating again, sometimes I don't know whether this is a good point or a bad point or exactly what she was trying to say by it, but I was so worried about the parts of me that didn't feel and if I could have an orgasm and the fact that I couldn't just move the way that I used to be able to, you know, trying to be intimate with someone or have sex or anything like that. And her point was, she's like, well, pretty much everybody out there can masturbate on their own. She's like, so even if you're just kind of sitting there cheering them on, it's better than being by yourself. <laughs> so, 
That's great. That's wonderful. So I don't know if that makes you a, a voyeur or not, but that was her point, and I, I always remember that quite markedly, and that was almost 10 years ago, so. I think we're getting close to the end, and I, so I want to see if there's any questions anybody in the audience might have. Please don't be shy. Any experiences? Yours or somebody else's? Yeah, please. Um, for all those of you that are in the room, and I know they said they were live streaming this, so for anybody that might be watching, um, I can't speak for the other panel members, but I know this can be a really sensitive and you know uncomfortable topic. So I am on Facebook. Um, so if anybody has questions or comments or just want to have a conversation or anything like that, please feel free to just reach out and just say you know you, you saw something about the spinal cord conference, and you know I'm fine with starting a conversation there. Um, social media can be a great you know conversation starter. So. Anything you want to add, Chris? Just feel um, kind of basically just what Gene said. You have to make sure you're comfortable with yourself before you try and go out and meet somebody. Um, but other than that, it's just be, being yourself out there and no different than you would before you were injured. Just know how to talk to somebody and connect with them on a deeper level now than just physical because you can't do everything that you used to be able to do. Bill? Anything I'd else? say, like I said before, take advantage of something that's there. Don't push it away. <laughs> Accept it for what it is. If they want to be with you, let them be with you, if, as long as you want to be with them also at the same time. So don't wait for it to come to you. Go out and look for it and get it and take advantage of it. <laughs> Life's too short. Definitely. Right. Yep, definitely uh, don't waste any time. Get out there and uh, <laughs> make it happen. Chris, anything you want to add? Uh, Parting shots for the group. <laughs> uh, probably the best advice I can give is that confidence is just key. The, the biggest thing. I mean, if you're just comfortable with who you are, you're happy with who you are, that's the only thing that really matters. And if somebody else is not happy with that, then they're not worth your time, really. It's all a matter of just finding that person that will, you know, appreciate you for who you are. And that's it. And being patient with, uh, with your loved one, too. I mean, it's... It's very frustrating, so you've got to, you know, not get frustrated and uh, don't get angry with them. It's not their fault. It's it's not anybody's fault. You just need to be understanding. Yeah, yeah. Robert, anything you want to add? Yeah, I'd like to just say that uh, you know, just keep on trying. Whether you're married, single, to try an online dating, anything else, uh, to that you know extent, um, there's always somebody out there for you. Um, you never give up with uh, the things that you try to do with other people. It's just, it's well worth it when you find that right person that you connect with. And um, it, it, that's what it's all about. Thanks so much. Um, I want to thank all our panel members. If ever, big round of applause for them for getting up and sharing their experiences. For more information about Kessler Foundation and its researchers, go to KesslerFoundation.org. That is K-E-S-S-L-E-R-F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N dot org. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, listen to us on SoundCloud, and tweet with us on Twitter.